Well, welcome, guys, to the New Life Lutheran podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Glad you guys joined us today. I'm Eric, Big Easy, a.k.a. Biggie, and with me, as always, is your host, our fearless leader, Big Ben, a.k.a. Benny Boy, a.k.a. B-Swag, a.k.a. The Boss Man. Hi. Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcasts at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at eric, E-R-I-K, Dot Anderson at nllutheran.com. Again, welcome, everybody. Glad to have you here. Uh, we are um, going to finish up this two-part series on Lent. Uh, next Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, which is how we kick off Lent. And so we're uh, going to finish up talking about Lent. Last week was a great um, an episode. Um, I really enjoyed hearing Pastor Ben walk through um, uh, the history. Uh, that was really good. Uh, but um, so go back and listen to that one if you've missed that one. Today um, we are going to be talking about how we practice Lent. So last year, last week you got the uh, some of the foundational elements. This week we're going to get some of the practical elements. So before we kick off our Lent season next week. So I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Ben. Um, And Pastor Ben, why don't you uh, talk to us a little bit about how uh, Lent has been practiced in the past um, and how we, uh, how people practice it today? Sure. There's a really a a common thread through the historical pattern throughout Lent. And it's, it's through these, these three ideas of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. But to understand them, we really need to understand uh, what Lent is. We talked about it last time, and like Pastor Eric said, if you missed that, please go back, because that will really fill in a lot of blanks for you and help you understand Lent uh, in a fuller sense. But uh, but what we really see in Lent is that it's a period of, of time to prepare ourselves, either as we're looking towards our baptism, that was kind of the historical setting, or to recall our baptism. So for most modern day people, it's really a time to reconnect with Christ, to kind of recalibrate their lives and reconnect with God in a powerful way. So the question is, how do we prepare? If this is a season of preparation, how do we prepare? And so we see these these three patterns of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So what we're really doing is we're recalibrating around the major areas of our lives, which is eating, relationships, and finances. Now, Now think about it. Think about how much of your life is consumed by these three areas. You get up and you eat breakfast, right? So that's the eating component. You kiss your family goodbye. That's the relationships component. You go to work and you're working for what? You're working for money, right? Finances. You engage with your coworkers. And once again, you have relationships. You eat lunch. That's food. You once again, engage with your work for money. Then you go home, relationships. You eat dinner, food, 
you engage with your family, hopefully after that, that meal relationships, you go to bed and then you just repeat this process over and over and over again throughout your life. And maybe on the weekend, maybe you have a day or two off. And then what you do is you tend to dive into your relationships once again. And so we see these things playing out in our lives. And so as we dive into Lent, we actually see uh, these three things, these three themes popping up because even the early church had these same patterns going on in their lives. They would wake up, they would eat, they had a family, they had friends, they had coworkers that they had friendships with and relationships with, and they worked to get money to buy a house and put food on the table, right? It's it's not different than what it is today. So let's let's dive into really this idea of how these things control us, right? Because in, in our preparation for Lent, we're really switching our control back to God, right? That's that returning to our, our baptism theme. And so right away, we can see this play out in our lives, right? In the eating element, we, we know that, that for some of us, that can be a major issue. Sometimes it can be a major issue on either side of the spectrum. Sometimes we eat things that are bad for us when we're sad. Uh, sometimes we just eat things that are bad for us because that's what we do, right? We're controlled by our cravings and our desires. Some of us are actually controlled by the inverse, which is we're so obsessed with um, eating healthy that that sometimes can control us too. But we see this idea of eating actually controlling us and controlling how we live our lives. And then our relationships, we see that as well, don't we? We have friends, maybe it was high school or maybe it's still today, that influence us because they're our friends. We have a relationship with them. Sometimes our spouse controls us or our girlfriend controls us. We make some of our worst mistakes in life because the people that we're around coaxing us into doing things that we really don't want to do. And so once again, we see these areas of control. Now, the last one, of course, is the finances component, right? The, the money component. And we know, especially in America, that we're controlled by money very much of the time, right? You, you live in a rich neighborhood or you live in a neighborhood where people have more than you and you see a new car, and what do you want? You want a new car, right? And so we see people with nicer shoes than us, nicer clothes than us, nicer whatever than us, and we want those things. And so very easily, money begins to control us. And so what we do in Lent through these classic practices is actually we give control back to God in every one of these areas through these practices, right? So we have this idea of fasting. Now, Obviously, in our in our modern day, we attach that to all sorts of things like social media and food and whatever, fill in the blank, right? I'm not going to behave in this way. I'm going to fast from that during Lent. I gave that up for Lent, which of course is a, is a great holistic practice, uh, but I, I believe it just all stems that idea of control. But in the early church, uh, the fasting was very, very much connected with food and that idea of food controlling us, those desires controlling us. And so once again, we step back into this idea of fasting. Now, there used to be strict rules that told us how we were to fast, um, but I think the, the limitation there is it was set by somebody who had something controlling them, right? So they had this laundry list of things where it was like, you can't have eggs or butter or meat or fish or, or whatever. You know, you, you drop in your poison. It might have been wine. But what happens when we dictate that is we're deciding for somebody what is controlling them. 
where for me, it might be pizza. For you, it might be something totally different. It might be beer. I have no idea. And, and so we, we dictate to people, and I think that's really limiting. So in our modern day, I think it's a little bit healthier practice to say, hey, it's up to you. But since it's up to you, I, I want you to understand what we're trying to do. Right, We're t- trying to take an area of our lives that's controlling us, and then we remove that so we can give that control back to God. The same is true in our relationships. So that's correlated to prayer, right? We have relationships, and we have relationships through conversation, right? You don't have friends that you don't talk to, or at least you communicate at least once or twice a year, right? We have some long-distance friends. We send texts. We send Facebook messages. We, we do all these things. We send a Snapchat. And, and so these are our friends because we're in communication with them. And once again, because of that, they have influence in our lives, right? They have control in our lives. And so what we do during Lent is we look at that and say, okay, does God have as much influence? Am I having as many conversations with God? Now, that doesn't mean that we're constantly spending time hours upon hours upon hours in prayer, but if God is calling you to do that, you do that. But, you know, dropping in, stepping in, uh, one thing I've become really fond of recently is like the, I call it the one sentence prayer. It's really like a text message to God, how we communicate with our friends in the modern day. You know, you experience something and right away you just shoot off a little prayer. Hey God, this is a really rough time or I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. And I shoot off that little text message prayer and I stay connected with God. So we, we see these practices playing out in really the contrast of the things in our lives that control us and giving that control back to God. And uh, what I love so much is these things don't change, right? These things were started in the early, early church. We're talking thousands of years ago, and it's all the same today. Uh, it just looks slightly different. The last one, of course, is our finances. From the beginning, this was an issue, right? Finances can control us, consume us. It's all we think about. Paying our bills or buying that thing or getting that new truck or financing that house. We do, we do all these things. They begin to control us. Now, what's the fastest way to have envy and greed and and that type of stuff not control us? It's to do the exact opposite, which is almsgiving, which isn't probably a word that you use on a daily basis, but it's this idea of worshiping God through giving, right? Offering something to God, which means you're actually taking money that you have and giving it away Mm. to God's ministry. So what does that do? It's returning the control back to the one who resourced you anyways, right? It's giving towards the ongoing ministries of what God is doing. And, and honestly, this, this is so crucial, is you're investing in something eternal. Most things we invest in in life are, are temporary, and we get obsessed by the temporary. But to give back to God and to give control over to God is investing in the eternal, so when you give during Lent, uh, please, I, I think a good practice is to just give it to the church in general, right? Give up control. Um, you can pigeonhole things and control things and manipulate things and, and say, hey, I'm going to give a little bit extra, but I'm only going to give it towards something that's going to benefit me at church. You can see where that might not actually be giving up control to God, but you're just once again controlling your finances in a different way and guising it in this idea of generosity. So my, my challenge for, for you is to put these things in practice, but start with the question of what is controlling me 
And how do I move in the opposite direction and return that control back to God and use these classic principles uh, since early times to do that? And so we go back to this idea of prayer, right? Connecting with God in relationship, giving control back to God in my relationships and really putting him as the primary relationship. Also this idea of, of fasting, right? What controls me? What are, what are my cravings? So it might be social media. Right, Whatever you obsess over, can't stop thinking about, can't wait to get to, that might be something worth stopping, stepping back, and giving that space to God and using that craving to drive you to your Heavenly Father. And of course, everyone's favorite topic, money, Right, this idea of almsgiving, right? giving to God, giving control back to God, understanding who's in control of everything and who resourced you from the beginning, and then give it with the free spirit, not with stipulations, not earmarked, just give and, and let God invest and pray for that money as you hand it over and and allow God's ministries to move forward. Because here, here's the truth. This is not a self-serving thing as a pastor for me to ask for. It is a God thing. And the reason I say it's a, it's a God thing is because scripture is very clear that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, which means the resources are few, which means we need people serving and we need people giving, and we need people doing both. And if we can do that, we can make an eternal impact with our resources through the ministry of whatever your local church is to care for people and really worry about that eternal transformation, which is what we're really searching for as a church. So there you go. Prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Yeah, that's really good. And then I, and I like how um, there, there seems to be this pattern that it's not just, it's not just stopping things, but it's actually starting some things. So you're not just, you're not just not doing, um, but you're actually, and I like that term that you use um, earlier when you talked about recalibrating, it's like, it's, it's kind of a, in some ways lent, it seems like is kind of introspective that you're like, okay, what are these things that are controlling me? How can I recalibrate these things? How can I give these things up? And so I like that it's not just not doing, but it's also doing some new things. Yeah. I mean, the, the natural vacuum in life is anytime that we remove something, something else just falls into it. And the easiest thing to fall into it is something that's very similar. You know, I'm not going to have soda during Lent. So instead, I'm going to drink fill in the blank, right. you know, and, and we just add something else that's just another thing that has control over us. And so just remember, it's that, it's that key of what has control over me and how do I give control back to God? And so as you're, as you're fasting or as you're, you know, doing all these things, don't just drop it. <laughs> Let the vacuum pull in something that's pretty much the exact same thing. And now you just have a new thing, right? I'm, I won't drink beer for Lent, but I'll drink this wine. You know, <laughs> we all have these things yeah. and we, we do these things. And so um, use it as a tool. And, and Pastor Rick was so great with it last week of saying, it's, this is not a health kick. Mm-hmm. This is not a keto or paleo or whole foods or whatever. I mean, that's not what this time is. It's not God like, hey, 40 days out of the year, I, I really want you to be healthy and the rest <laughs> you, you do you. Uh, but that's, you know, it's this idea of giving control back to God, being intentional. Uh, obviously, we should be doing this all the time, but it's just so great to get on the same page together 
and do this. Yeah. And, I, and I've always thought it was really interesting when, um, when Sarah and I moved up to Wisconsin, uh, there's a lot more, a lot more Catholic, um, influence in Wisconsin and the places in Wisconsin we were in, um, than the, than the cities we were in, in Kansas. Um, and so we, we were unaware of, I mean, we had heard about some of the practices, um, during Lent, but it wasn't until Wisconsin that we saw it as like a cultural thing. Um, and I always thought it was funny that, you know, and I don't know the ins and outs of how the Roman Catholic church, how they, how they practice Lent, but I do know that it's more complex. So you can't eat meats on certain days. You can't eat fish on certain days, but not red meats. And that is kind of this whole thing. And I don't know exactly how that all works, but part of that is on Friday, you can have fish, but you can't have other meats. And, you know, I don't know this, this idea of like sacrificing or giving up control of certain things. Um, you know, I understand that like red meat is, it's a little bit more like calorie packed, a little bit more like succulent. It's, you know, more enjoyable than a lot of fishes, but I always thought it was funny how, um, in, uh, during Lent and, and I guess throughout most of the year, um, uh, Catholic churches will have fish fries. And so you like, you don't eat red meat on Friday, but you go and have this fried, <laughs> this fried fish. Anyway, I always thought that was like a funny thing. Like, oh, this is like a really succulent, heavy, calorie packed. You know, I don't know. I don't know that I've, I've always just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. The history, the history behind that is that when people were putting in these strict fast policies to, you know, turn, turn control back to God, it became pretty much legalistic at that point in time because it was like, do this, don't do that behavior. And then people would go out to work and they were starting to like pass out and stuff. Like they were getting unhealthy Mm. trying to work. And so then the church is like, okay, well, we're going to restrict meat on this day, but we're going to give you fish because you need something Mm. to sustain you. And so now it's just become this thing. Right. And once again, what, what is unintentionally happened is we have put these, these rules in place with the best intentions, but we don't actually accomplish the goal. Right. So now we have the fish fries, but but the goal is to Which, get. By the way, I love yeah, fish fries. Yeah, they so are amazing, <laughs> and we we went to them. So I'm yeah. not like I I guess I'm I'm cautiously like reflecting on that practice, but we love fish fries. I understand because if the Pope listens to this and they retract that, <laughs> you're going to be in big trouble. But yeah. you know, when we go back to this uh, central idea of returning control back to God, you know, I, I think the good question would be like, okay. Is, is a fish fry controlling me? Mm-hmm. Now, I would assume probably not. Uh, but you can see where it gets hairy when we say, you just can't do this, and everyone is so unique. Yeah. Whereas some people, meat is not an obsession to them, right. so giving that up is nearly worthless. Right. Coffee might not be an obsession to somebody else, but for somebody else, that's totally a thing that, that owns them, right. right? In fact, it might go hand in hand that they give up Starbucks for 40 days and say, this is what I'm going to do. That that 160 bucks that I would have spent on whatever low fat, whatever. I don't drink coffee that much. Venti. There you go. No foam. Eric's our coffee guy. So there you go. Macchiato. Well, we know what Eric's going to give up for Lent, (laughs) but you know, you you take that and you're like, I'm just going to flip that budget line item over to the church and see what God can do with my coffee money. You know, Mm, it's mm. stuff like that. And then hand it over and pray and, you know, collect it in an old Starbucks mug or something and uh, give that control over. So once again, this is what the church does, what people do. We put rules typically based on our insight. 
And so please, 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 it's a great time for you to prepare what controls you and then give that control back to God. Don't just follow the patterns of what your parents did or what the church tells you. Everyone's so unique. And so uh, please take the time and invest in yourself so you can uh, find your yourself moving forward during this journey. Yeah, you know, you said that you don't think that a fish fry controls anybody, but you've never been to the Plain Wisconsin fish fry. It's amazing. It's been two and a half years since we've been there. And we still talk about it. So the fish fry can control you. <laughs> it can be that good. No, but I like how you talked about um, maybe maybe engaging some creative ways um, of doing this like fasting, but then adding a practice. You know, you mentioned the Starbucks, you know, um, keeping the Starbucks cup, your reusable cup and the money that you would spend, you put in there. Um, you know, you could do that with, you could be that creative with anything. Um, you know, if you're used to going out to lunch, uh, you go to work and then you go get McDonald's for lunch or Subway for lunch or whatever it is that you do. Um, uh, you take that money, you fast from that meal and you take that money that you would spend on it and then you give it away. Uh, those are, that's a good example of, not doing something kind of, you know, fasting from something, but also adding a practice of giving up, relinquishing the thing that you, um, that has control over you. Well, as we step into Lent, which is coming up very, very quickly, in fact, less than a week at this point in time, which is kicked off by Ash Wednesday, that can be another one of those things. There's all these little blips within Lent that can be just as confusing as this idea Mm. of Lent. So we have Ash Wednesday, and we have Monday Thursday, and we have Good Friday. Some churches have Holy Saturday, and of course, we have Easter. Now, that's obviously the most recognizable, but the rest of them might you might be thinking i'm not used to this i'm not aware of this terminology i don't know what these things mean and so we do want to talk about a couple of things that you would experience at new life or you would experience at most most mainline churches or at least lutheran churches if you stepped into their lenten experience and so i want to talk about ash wednesday which is coming up next wednesday and it's the kickoff of the 40 days of preparation to Easter. And so if you have walked around town on Ash Wednesday, you've probably seen some people with junk on their foreheads and you're like, what is this? That happened to me when I was young because I didn't grow up in that flavor of church. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? It kind of looks like a cult. So Pastor, why don't you, why don't you tell us what is Ash Wednesday? How does it operate? How do we yeah. utilize it in our lives? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about some of the biblical foundations for Ash Wednesday last week. Um, but generally, the what what the church has done has um, taken uh, the first day of Lent, that is Ash Wednesday, and um, have special services uh, to kick off Lent. Um, and so these include, uh, these usually are more reflective services, a little bit quieter, um, because as we move into Lent, it's kind of a darker time in the in the church season, um, but the the main practice that you kind of referenced is the, the Ash Wednesday message and the Ash Wednesday um, worship is centered around remembering our death um, and remembering um, that we are mortal, um, and this is kind of a way to to enter into the space where we look at 
these things that are controlling us. And we say, because, because I'm mortal, because I'm a human, um, I am a sinner. And I, and as we Lutherans would say, I'm, I'm fully sinner. Um, and Christ has done his work in me. I'm, I'm fully righteous uh, before God, but I am still thoroughly a sinner. Um, and so Ash Wednesday is a way to kind of look at that and reflect on that. And so then, then we can enter into the Lent season um, with the spirit of, I need to give up control. So Ash Wednesdays, is, is, it serves as a reminder um, that you are mortal, that you are a sinner. And, um, and so a lot of it centers around confession and forgiveness, um, kind of penitence and, and how we can mourn uh, for ourselves, for our own, own sin, and for the sins of the world. Um, and so the way that we do that here, um, Ash Wednesday, we have a noon and a seven o'clock service, uh, just like we do all of our midweek Lent services, um, and they're shorter. Um, so they're only 30 minutes long because it's it's a very concise kind of prayer service. Um, and the big things that we do here are um, the kind of beginning confession and forgiveness time. There's kind of a, a penitence that happens at the beginning. Um, and then the imposition of ashes, uh, which is what you referenced. And so all um, you'll see all mainline churches, Roman Catholic churches um, do this practice where during the service, um, usually after the message, um, instead of usually where communion might go, um, we do this practice where uh, people come forward, and the pastors or the or the helpers, you know, whoever it might be, um, take ash, some ash mixed with olive oil, and make a cross on the person's forehead and say to them, "From dust you have come, and to dust you will return." And that ash is a reference to um, the dust in Genesis chapter two uh, that God forms humans out of out of the dust, um, and uh, and God then says in the rebellion, um, he gives Adam, uh, tells Adam of the consequence of his action, uh, that he will die, that from dust he has come and to dust he will return. Um, and that's echoed in Ecclesiastes, uh, where, uh, the, the preacher, the teacher in Ecclesiastes is, um, communicating to his hearers that, um, all, all people are mortal and a lot of the things that we strive for that we think are important actually aren't important. So it's a way for us to kick off Lent with a reminder that all those things that control us, that we think are so important, our work, our relationships, our food, our whatever it might be, um, our finances, those things that we think control us um, are actually all just dust, uh, that, that at the end, um, we don't get to take those things um, into the new creation with us. Uh, those are those are temporary things, and so then that actually helps us, puts us in a place of giving over um, our uh, giving over our control of those things. So that's how we start off Ash Wednesday, um, and here at New Life, uh, like I said, it focuses around those two main things: the um, the kind of opening confession and forgiveness, and then uh, the imposition of the ashes. Yeah, and there's a little side side note too is the ashes are actually made out of the old palm branches from the celebration of of Christ entering into Jerusalem and people proclaiming him as king mm-hmm. um, and then of course a week later turning on him and killing him so yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of ironic That's yeah it's an ironic thing that we so we take there. the the celebration and we grind it down and burn it up and we use that ashes to once again 
point us back to the Savior and realize how fallen we are and how broken we are and how quickly we we turn our hearts from God, right? We proclaim him king one week and then we crucify him the next. And yeah. we do that in our lives all the time. And so it's really a beautiful thing that we we take those two events and put them together and really talk about our need to re- repent and, and return to the gospel. So it's quite an amazing service. As somebody who hadn't grown up in it, it was pretty powerful for me to now engage with it for the last, you know, now it's a long time. So it's almost half a coin on, on one side and half a coin on the other. But um, anyways, we have another s- services that kick in right after that, and there are midweek Lenten services. And so those are a little bit different because we add in a, a food component, yeah, which is really nice. Yeah. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about those once we move past Ash Wednesday and we move towards the cross and move towards the celebration of Christ's resurrection. Yeah. So um, again, starting on Ash Wednesday, um, the Ash Wednesday services are noon and seven o'clock and they're 30 minute prayer service. That's a 30 minute prayer service. And then Lent, we just follow that pattern. So at noon and seven, uh, we have a 30 minute prayer service. Um, and I would actually suggest if you are, um, if you want to, if you're thinking about something to fast uh, from and you want to fast from a meal, um, Wednesdays, Fasting on Wednesday lunch, if you come to that noon service, that's actually a good way to add that thing. So if you're used to going out to Subway to get lunch, um, but you want to fast from that, instead of going to Subway on Wednesdays, come to um, service instead. So that might be a way to add something um, to make that a meaningful meaningful trade. Uh, but we do a, a noon and a 7 o'clock. They're 30 minutes long, primarily focused around um, prayer. And so they're a little bit more reflective. Uh, not very much music. Um, they're pretty simple services. Um, and this year, we're walking through um, uh, the Lord's Prayer, and we're actually, uh, the, the whole season is called Praying with Jesus. So we're actually looking at the prayers of Jesus and how he prayed um, and the impact that prayer has on our lives um, today. But then at the seven o'clock service, um, before we have our seven o'clock service, we kind of, we have a family meal. So we have uh, folks, will make food, bring it in, We'll actually have a meal together, um, and I can't remember when that starts, 5 or 5.30, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, so we have a meal together, and then we we do our 7 o'clock um, Lent service as well. So um, that's a kind of an added bonus, if unless you're fasting on Wednesdays, um, in which case you can come and watch other people eat and pray. Uh, uh, but So we have that together, um, which is a good time. So that's during our Lent um, season. Uh, this, before the seven o'clock services, we have we have a meal together. Um, so that's our that's our midweek Linton services. Yeah. Yeah. So those are good experiences to come and and maybe giving up control in that area is is simply just saying I'm committing an extra thirty minutes, or if I right. come for lunch or dinner, I mean, another hour, another thirty minutes. And you can see where you're giving up control of your calendar mm-hmm. of your time mm-hmm. of a potential to be in a relationship with somebody else or to make extra money. Yeah. Um, or to be eating at a place maybe you'd rather be eating, even though the food is really good, by the way, yeah. as a side note. But it's just one, another one of those things of giving God control of your calendar, which right. incorporates all of those three things. And so we hope to see you there. Now, as the weeks go on, yep. um, we're going to be changing our conversation. We're actually going to be focusing on on one of these, these elements mm-hmm. of the almsgiving and the prayer and the fasting. So, Pastor yep. Rick, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's coming up? Yeah, so like I said, we're focusing on prayer this year, and um, that's going to happen two primary ways that we do that. Um, 
not not including our services, our Lint services being centered around around those things. Um, every week, um, there's going to be a little uh, little insert. We call them inserts. Little like bookmark size, big bookmark size um, paper that you'll get um, that has uh, suggestions, some ideas. Uh, uh, to do that week to increase your prayer life. Um, so they'll, they'll also include things like fast from this meal instead of, fa- instead of eating, uh, spend time in prayer. It'll be some very practical things that you can do that you can add to your prayer life um, that kind of focus around the theme that we're talking about that week. So each week um, you'll get one of those that you can just really practically do some things uh, to help center your time um, uh, together. So that'll be you know, Sunday through Saturday, there'll be suggestions of things to do. Um, and then on the backside, uh, there's going to be a, I'm going to, there's, there's a suggested daily prayer practice that we're doing, um, together. Uh, and that'll be the same every single week. And then on the other side, it'll be the, the unique thematic, uh, prayer practices that you can do each day. Those will be fairly simple, very accessible. Um, I want to try to keep, those kind of prayer practices to about another 30 minutes a day, um, that you could do those things. Um, and again, that's, uh, part of that time where you're like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to dedicate another 30 minutes to this. I'm going to give something up, uh, maybe give up a show that I like to watch or give up some Netflix. Um, and I'm going to do this instead, or I'm going to do this before a meal or, you know, it's, again, it's that practice of being willing to stop the things that I, enjoy and that control me in order to do a new, a new thing, a, a new practice instead. Um, so each week, uh, there'll be that. The, uh, and the other thing that we're going to do is our podcast is actually going to be focused on prayer. So uh, we're glad to be welcoming back uh, Pastor Phil starting next week. Um, and he'll join us for the five weeks, six weeks of, of Lent. Um, and we're going to focus those conversations around, around prayer. Um, and so he, uh, Pastor Phil and I are going to be reading a book together during that time. Uh, Pastor Ben is going to be kind of leading those conversations, asking questions about that. Um, and this will give us an opportunity. We're actually going to be using uh, Tim Keller's book called Prayer. Uh, and the reason for that is just because it's very concise, easy to read, uh, but also pretty pretty thorough. And so it's kind of a good like um, evangelical Protestant approach to prayer. Um, so Pastor Phil and I will be um, kind of dialoguing about that um, and reflecting on that from a Lutheran perspective. And, uh, f- you know, we're going to be reflecting on scripture as well in that. And so Pastor Ben's going to be leading those conversations um, and asking some questions of us during that time. Um, and so I'm actually really excited about that uh, podcast series because I think that's going to be pretty fruitful because um, Pastor Phil is a very, is a very prayerful man. Um, and so I'm excited to hear, um, to get his input again on some of those things. So those are kind of our main uh, kind of personal practices that we'll be doing uh, during Lent is those weekly practices that you'll get um, at the Ash Wednesday or at the, at the Lent, midweek Lent services and then our podcast focusing on prayer. All right. Hopefully you guys have had a, a great opportunity to engage with us today yeah. and to learn more about Lent. And, and teased, hopefully it was uh, teasing enough that you want to jump, jump in next, during our next series starting next week. Yeah, of course. Continue to follow us and connect with us. We'd love to hear from you too. So if you have 
any any comments or questions, you can always email uh, either one of us. And uh, actually, email Eric. I'd rather you email Eric. You yeah. can email him at erak.anderson at nllutheran.com. Now, we'd love to hear from you and just get the feedback there. And so, and to hear what our listeners are thinking and what they might want to talk about. But for the next upcoming weeks, we're going to be talking about prayers. We work through Lent, yeah. and hopefully, it'll allow you to move forward and your whole Lenten experience as you learn to dive deeper into your relationship with God. And so we're looking forward to you joining us then, and we will catch you next week with Pastor Phil. Uh, But today it has been Pastor Eric and, and myself, Pastor Ben, and we're so glad and so pleased that you took the time and made the sacrifice to connect with us today, no matter where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. We'll see you next week.